Welcome again to the third episode of the Corner Case Cast. I am your co-host, Joe Oso. Here today with me is Russell the Magic Deadly. How are you doing today, Russell? I'm doing pretty good. Glad that we're uh, getting recording after some lots of snafus. <laughs> uh, some of them planned, some of them not. I, I got married and moved into a new house. Planned. So, yes, planned. Uh, my internet exploding, not planned. Yes. Being sick, each of us being sick, I think, not planned. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but. but we're here now. And that's and what matters. Gonna, we're going to make it work. So, Russell, this is the third episode of the Corner Case cast. The last two episodes, we have followed a very specific format. Do we have any changes today? Not really. We're going to stick to bringing people ridiculous bargain basement barrel scraping cards that aren't seeing plays in, uh, play in a lot of decks to give you some new tricks to surprise your group and make them scratch their head going, why are you playing this card? Yes, specifically for the Commander format of Magic the Gathering. So, since we last spoke, what have you been up to as far as deck creation goes? Working on anything fancy? I'm not sure I would say fancy. I've been spending most of my time working on like a bunch of different decks because I have severe uh, focus problems building one thing at a time. So, mm-hmm. I've been working on a Dipala Pilot Exemplar, trying to figure out the the best ratio of dwarves to vehicles to make her not whiff all of the time. Yeah, she... I think the longer that she exists, the more con- like the more <laughs> solid that she'll be. But right now, just dipping into her, I have not been able to put together anything that really screamed out to me. Yeah. That's all too interesting. I mean, I'm sure it's there, but it, I haven't been able to see it. Right now, the the one big trick I have for it is Dwarven Recruiter and Scroll Rack. That's pretty solid. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's in theory a way to dig through the deck. You get your dwarves on the top with Dwarven Recruiter, rip them off with Depala, Scroll Rack for better cards, and then you put the dwarves back on and cycle through with Depala to dig deep, which is really hard to do in red and white. Yeah. Um, she does have that intrinsic draw feature, or pseudo-draw feature, too. Right. That's really, really great. And uh, it's just the the staple of dwarves that is available to us thus far has been rather lack. Most of the good ones are out of, you know, Aether Revolt and yeah. Kaladesh, and it's, it's other than, of course, Dwarven Recruiter. Is that the one you, you search your deck for as many dwarves as you want and you put them on top? Exactly. It's really one of those things. It's it's the orc problem all over again that I've had since forever. All the good orcs, uh, there were none until Cons of Tark here. Yeah, <laughs> there there was no correction. That's that's true. There's orcish lumberjack, which is pretty sweet. Uh, but aside from orcish that, orcish settlers is also really good. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, I put together my Selenia Dark Angel uh, curse deck. Got a few pieces of this to look for, but mostly all together. I'm gonna try that out soon. It'll be fun. Yeah, gonna yeah. make somebody <laughs> cry. Uh, uh, <laughs> one person is going to cry and probably ask, "Why are you picking on me?" That's and gonna it's- be me. It's like every time that we play. <laughs> You know me, and then everybody else is a stranger, so you don't ever want to get mad. You don't want to ever make them mad at you. So you just pick on me every time. I've seen this happen. <laughs> well, also, to be fair, you're also doing the broken shenanigans, and you need to be reined in. 
it's it's a given. I mean, well, yeah, but that's all here, neither here nor there. I believe it is everywhere, good sir, everywhere. <laughs> so, how about you? What have you been uh, building, brewing, or just getting settled into your sweet new digs? Actually, I I built two decks. I finished up my Ravenos and Timna deck, the Cleric Tribal with some Orzov good stuff. And that thing, I uh, had a friend take it for a spin yesterday. We had a like a pickup game at my house, just uh, three people. And it it flooded the board real fast, and it did a lot of damage. Uh, the game that we ended up playing, I was playing two deck, and I got uh, Liliana, the baby Liliana, out. And the only other cards I drew for the rest of the game were lands, one of which was a rogue's passage, and then uh Lash Rive and a Strata uh Scythe. Scythe. <laughs> so I just I had my I had my Urborg out and I had Liliana with a Strata Scythe and a, uh <laughs> the other one and I just swung in for like seventy points of commander damage twice and won the game <laughs> when I had done nothing the rest of the time. That is it felt like that's bananas. It, it felt like a really lame way to win, just like <laughs> dropping two of those artifacts on the same turn and going to town. But I didn't feel too bad. And the cleric deck got to do a lot of really neat stuff before it, went. it uh, died. So, I don't know. Yeah, it was a moot point. And then the other one that I, uh, I've been working on is once again my, uh, my Tron deck. My Voltron deck that's... Um, Oh, it's uh, Aki Lion Slinger and uh, what's her face from C sixteen, the one that makes Saperling tokens. Oh, um, Timon of the Bloodsower. Yeah, Timon of the Bloodsower. So it's just got a lot of really good equipment in it, a couple neat auras. Although I am loath to put those in unless it's Eldrazi conscription. And uh, <laughs> ouch, yeah, this, this it, is the. You can't see it, but this is my cringing sour face. <laughs> and then that one also includes uh, some stuff like Cryptolith Rite and Chiron Negotiations and uh, other stuff like that that allows me to do more stuff with the vast amount of Saperlings that I'm putting onto the board. The idea being that I just load everything up onto Timnus when her across the board, she'll hit because she has trample should do at least a little bit of damage so I'm, unless I run into some sort of board wipe, I'm never gonna really uh, have to worry about too much retribution so, we'll see how it works out I mean, yeah, you have a lot of options too in uh, green, white, and red you have uh, that one that populate all your creatures get indestructible I know what you're talking about, yep rootborn defense (laughs) yes um, you have all the other ways that white, you have Boros Charm, you have ridiculous ways to make your dudes indestructible, and just be like, hey, we're here, we're the toughest sapperlings ever, it's like pulling dandelions out of your yard, it's just not <laughs> going to happen. Exactly. And then, since I am in green, I got a bunch of mana ramp, and <clears throat> because I'm in white, I have a couple, uh, tutors for specific pieces of equipment, and because I'm in red... Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Red. Poor Red. Doesn't deserve it, but it gets it. I mean, it does deserve it, but it shouldn't. 
Anyways, we've got three cards each that we've selected for this week. Uh, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with your first card? I mean, and speaking of red, we're going to start with Hearth Charm. One red instant from Vision to the common. And all of my cards are going to be charms this week. And we're going to look at uh, versatility. Uh, Hearth Charm specifically being choose one. Choose target artifact. De- I'm sorry. Destroy target artifact creature. Attacking creatures get plus one plus zero to the end of the turn. And target creature with power two or less can't be blocked this turn. So three very versatile effects. I wouldn't run a single card that does one of these one shot, but one card for one red mana at an instant speed is great. Yeah, it's only seen play in 54 decks. Yeah, which seems just, once again, there's a lot of these utility cards that are so sorely overlooked because they're from old sets or... You look at them, and like none of these modes seems all that interesting on its own. But when you're in a situation when you have four people on the table, and you don't know what you don't know what sort of circumstances are going to uh, present themselves. So that's why cards like Cryptic Command, Offseer Command um, see a lot of play in the format because they have different modes like this. Yeah, obviously the commands and confluxes definitely have a lot more bang and power, uh, but mm-hmm. the charms are nothing to overlook. I mean, just the, the modal ability of anything is just super powerful because you do, you're not pigeonholed into having one card. I'm not going to run yeah. Trumpet Blast, but I'll run Trumpet Blast that has the potential to blow up somebody's Worm Coil engine. Yes. Or make it so you can sneak your Grenzo in. I don't know. What yeah. Do you do with the <laughs> I mean, yeah. The, the target creature with power two or less can't be blocked is definitely a bit awkward, but if you're putting in there to utilize all three modes, it's way simpler. God forbid, like, you're putting in, in a Grenzo black-red deck. You're mm-hmm. going to... Maybe you have Hatred in your deck. One of my favorite cards. So Hatred 3, black-black, instant... When you cast Hatred, pay X life. Tart creature gets plus X plus zero to the end of turn. So you make Grenzo unblockable with Hearth Charm and Hatred him for sheer murder. Yeah, I mean, just because it says that they have to be power two or less when you target them, that does not necessarily mean that they have to continue to be power two or less for the rest of the turn for that effect to go, for that effect to continue. Absolutely. So Hearth Charm specifically... The first mode, I think, is probably the weakest one, just because a lot of the artifact creatures that you run into that are going to be real big board uh, state developers are generally indestructible. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually what you're going to see is Blightsteel Colossus, and this doesn't do anything against Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah. But what it does do, though, is it'll blow up your Sharding Sphinxes, which can get out of hand, and it'll blow up platinum angels that are making it so you can't win the game and you know there's a lot of pocket cases where this could be really useful you know it's really annoying sitting uh the first thought i was thinking putting this into a krenko mob boss deck specifically for the middle mode and you know what really sucks when you're in a token heavy deck somebody who plays a stupid solemn simulacrum not a solemn simulacrum sorry silent arbiter my bad mm-hmm. silent arbiter sitting there making it so your tokens can't get into the red zone he just does, uh, crush it right in the face, right? It's yeah. stupid silent face. 
<laughs> and the other thing is, is that if there isn't a Silent Arbor, they're making it so you can't get in. You and and if you are able to go wide, like this card would uh, make you feel like you should be doing, then you're gonna double the amount of damage that you're dealing in most circumstances, which is amazing. That's enough to swing. You know, this this card could say, you know, deal ten damage to target player with that second ability. Right. And in EDH or Commander, when you have a ton of tokens on the board, something that red and green are, and white are particularly good at, uh, you're going to have a lot of exponential growth on this thing. It's really, really nice. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things we have the, the three modes. It's good in a lot of different cases, some of them more cornered than the other, uh, which, <laughs> we're, which we're looking for. But overall, I, I really feel that it's way better than it's given credit for. Some of the biggest problems we'll see uh, in some other charms, that older wording is really, really awkward. Yeah. Back before the the big paradigm shift, when they cleaned up all of the syntax, there were some really, really nasty cards. Uh, speaking of which, my first card... <laughs> go, go right ahead. Should I, this is all you let me let me read the uh yeah, the, read the card text then then we'll uh show people how blessed they are to have oracle text uh, yeah simply because of cards and we're pulling a lot from the mirage block on this because mirage block has a lot of really great cards that are overlooked and so bring us to purgatory mr joe Purgatory is an enchantment from the Mirage, from the set Mirage. It is two mana of any color and then a white and a black. So it is Orzov. Surprise, surprise. And it states that whenever a summon card is put into your graveyard from play, put that card face up under Purgatory. During your upkeep, you may pay four mana of any color and two life to put any card under Purgatory into play as though it was just played. As if they could not use the word play enough times in that sentence. Wow. If Purgatory leaves play, remove all cards in it, under it from the game, excuse me. So, that mouthful is what this card says when it was printed. And I think it gets the idea across fairly well. It does, but it could be so much better, and I think they nailed it with the Oracle text. Yeah, the Oracle text for this says, whenever a non-token creature is put into your graveyard, exile it. Or when it's put into the graveyard from the battlefield. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you pay four and two life if you do return a card exiled with purgatory to the battlefield. Um, and it, just so we can be clear, that means when it refers, when a card refers to itself, it means this copy of the spell, unless it specifically says other copies of the spell. So they're like accumulated knowledge will reference other copies of accumulated knowledge. But in reference to purgatory, if you s- exile other stuff with purgatory, and then it gets flashed out of play or leaves play for some reason, all of those cards are in exile forever. And anything that you exile with Purgatory afterwards, you can use again if Purgatory enters play, but uh, you don't get the exiled cards back if Purgatory leaves, which is a side effect of this being an old-ass card. <laughs> right. Uh, simply being that it... It being old and they had, you were placing the cards under the card, it created a whole bunch of rules problems and using mm-hmm. the, the exile zone cleans it up so much. And, it really does. Yeah. But 
That's not why it's on your list. Why is it on no. your list, Joe? <laughs> I wanted to just put out all of those caveats beforehand so we can talk about why this card is actually fun. And I don't think that this card is good, but I do think that this card is fun. <laughs> that, that's fair. That's fair. So the great thing about Purgatory is that it has inherent cursion on it, and it has protection. Um, a lot of people aren't going to be able to deal with an enchantment in EH, depending on what colors they're playing. If there's no green or white in their deck, it's unlikely they're going to be able to touch this. Um, maybe blue. They might be able to bounce it. But the other thing is, is that it's fairly innocuous, is that it's only bringing one thing back every round around the table. You have to pay four mana and two life to do it, so it seems like you're making a big investment. But since you're in black already, which has the second best mana ramp in the game for investment on it, in the form of, like, all coffers and that sort of thing, this isn't really going to be a major detriment to you. And what this allows you to do is it allows you to bring a creature back during your upkeep, use it, enter the battlefield ability, which black and white have a plethora of great enter the battlefield abilities on their creatures. And then what you can do is if somebody else goes to exile it in a different way, because destroying it's not going to do anything, you can sacrifice it somehow through one of your own outlets to protect it and bring it back again if you need to and get that enter the battlefield effect again. A fairly inexpensive way to have consistent recursion every single turn and the amount of value that you can get out of it. Um, the main drawback being the two life and the mana, which white and black good at getting life and black is good at reducing mana. So there's no reason to, uh, to look away at this long term. This is going to net you a ton of value. That's my opinion. <laughs> I mean, definitely it's got some value there. My only problem with it is, is it's super prone to once you start doing using more than once, maybe after the second time, people are going to realize that maybe they should deal with this. It's not going to kill you as fast as they thought, even though it's limited. It could be a problem, and we'll need an answer. Yeah, and then they spend their removal on purgatory, <laughs> which is great. Unless your removal is my next card, then it doesn't really matter. I suppose that is true. <laughs> Which brings us... Oh, and Purgatory was only in 72 decks, which we almost forgot about. Oh, yeah. And it costs like 10 cents. So yeah. you just buy a playset of these and you know throw them at your friends if they're being angry, but not in like a mean way. There's a lot of good jokes that you can make with this. But... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's no Emerald Charm. Let's oh, be real. Emerald Charm. Literally the best charm that I pulled out for this... Uh, in 123 decks, it's a green instant from Visions, also a common. And you, you choose one. You untap target permanent, destroy target non-or enchantment, or destroy or target creature loses flying until end of turn. Now, when we're talking about the original wording on things being awkward, the middle mode used to be destroy target global enchantment, which <laughs> who the who knows what a global enchantment is these days. Uh, so the oracle text being our hero once again uh, reminds us that global enchantment is any non-aura enchantment. So that means Ristic Study, Doubling Season. Nothing is greater than destroying your your opponent's $60 Doubling Season with like a $0.25 cent common from Visions. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty nasty. I I think that destroying a... Any sort of spot removal is really good, especially if it has other value attached to it, because you might be running into decks that just don't have any non 
or might not have any enchantments at all, but they might also have just auras in them. Like if you're going up against a uh, uh, Ural deck, right? He's going to have a ton of auras, but he probably doesn't have any enchantments that aren't auras. This also is really good at destroying enchantment creatures. Yeah, because they're not they're not auras; they're just mm-hmm. enchantments. Yep, and any creatures with I mean. Bestow creatures are also enchantment creatures, but it'll get rid of those as long as they're not an aura at the time. Exactly. So that's a really cool use. But I think what's the most important thing on this card is actually that first ability. Untap target permanent. And yes, that does mean your guy is cradle. Yes. <laughs> this is something that just doesn't exist in green all that often outside of... What is it, Daybreak Ranger? Is that the one where you can untap a forest or a land? Yeah. Most green untapping is very specific towards creatures or lands. Uh, Very rarely anything else. Uh, You get, like, Quest for the... Not the Quest for the Gym Blades. uh, Quest for Renewal. And that lets you untap... I think it's just just your creatures. Mm -hmm. And you get Seedborn Muse and untaps your creatures and your lands during uh, every uh, untap step. So, but... Untap target permanent is ridiculous. Yeah. That that can really sneak you in a ton of extra mana, or it can get you another activation on something that you want to get out, um, whether that is... I mean, it could be really anything. Any permanent that taps for some sort of effect. This is just great for just one green mana. Right, I mean, oh gosh, so you've set up your druidic satchel, and you're you're just (laughs) trying to get your elves out on the table, and you're you're puppeting, like, you you don't quite have it, but you've got enough mana to activate your druidic satchel twice, and maybe that'll get you there. It's, yeah. I I like how you went directly to druidic satchel. That was your... That was your power play. It I'm going to Emerald Charm my Druidic Satchel, and I'm going to dominate this game. <laughs> it was the first kind of thing <laughs> that wasn't already broken on its own. Yeah. Where, the, it was like, sorry, Guy's Cradle, my first thought, broken. Yeah. Uh, Priest of Titania. You know what? Still kind of broken. Uh, <laughs> Elvish Archdruid. You know what? We just set up uh, a Priest of Titania. Yeah. Uh, still broken. All these elves. Too many elves. And that's just, like, thinking within the paradigm that you're only going to play this in green, too. Uh, I, I think this is really useful as long as one of your colors isn't blue. This card is pretty good. <laughs> well, yeah, because blue is definitely uh, king of untap. You yeah. put this in green-black, I mean, uh, untap Avatar of Woe. Destroy another... Extra creature. Yeah. That's nasty. Or you could get another... Activation out of uh, Visara the Dreadful. Does she do something when she taps? I believe so. I believe she destroys target creature as well. That's you know that's the one that I was thinking of. Not Avatar of Woe, but I mean it's it's essentially the same thing. Yeah, I mean you'll she just no run redundancy. Yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, we're just gonna make a destroy target creature deck. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs creatures anyway? I mean, I need creatures, but the rest of you people do not need creatures at all. Because that's no. silly. And that's why Emerald Charm makes it so creatures, target creature loses flying? Is that how that works? Of course. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think this is before Green had Reach reliably. I mean, we really had Giant Spider and, like, Elvish Archers. You had very little uh, that would deal with flyers. So this is a way that, in the day... 
green would be able to deal with flyers. It would destroy some flyers, it would damage flyers, or it would just bring them to the ground so you could stomp on their face with all of your elves or your beasts or what have you. Yeah, and this really harkens back to the idea that we talked about at the beginning is even though each of these modes, well, one of these modes is pretty great. All by itself. (laughs) If there was a green card that said untap two target permanents, I would probably play that by itself, but not just one, right? But the untapping a permanent, destroying an enchantment, those two effects are really good, and you're going to use those every single game no matter what. So there's no reason not to put this card in. Um, but I think that the the payoff for punch that you get, the third ability actually might be the most surprising one out there because if somebody's so convinced that they're sending in something with uh, flying evasion and they're contingent on making sure that they can hit you, to get, like, some counters or some life or to deal some damage so they can set off some effects. This is going to put a big speed bump in their way, (laughs) quite literally. Oh, you're just the dumb green deck. Oh, we're going to fly over you and get some commander damage in. No, Sunny Jim, you're going to be right to die. Right to die town. (laughs) So Emerald Charm is, is pretty darn good. And it's in an 123 decks. But the card that I chose for the next one is in more than twice as many decks. And I think it's because it's like a sleeper... It's like sleeper OP for Voltron decks. And nobody plays it, but they really should. And that, that card is a rare from Mercadian Masks called Power Matrix. So good. Also the name of my new wave rock band. Yes, it uh, sounds like you could start like a Rush tribute band named Power Matrix that would probably get at least five or six followers on Twitter. Minimum. And you don't even need to do like album art. You can just take the art from the card and use that as your album art as long as you get permission. Oh, yeah, of course. Because <laughs> it looks it, – I don't know what it's supposed to be. Can you tell what this thing is supposed to be? It is – it's a Power Matrix, obviously. It's oh. a, It's a big – glowing, like, rhomboid soccer ball sort of thing <laughs> with an eye on it. And that's yeah. how you get all these special powers. What does it do for well, your 4-mana investment? So, it costs 4-mana generic, any color. And it says, tap. Target creature gets plus 1, plus 1, gains flying, first strike, and trample until end of turn. That's a lot of keywords. That's a lot of keywords. That's and it's almost a chroma-level keywords. It is almost a chroma-level keywords. There's no vigilance there, but other than that, pretty nasty. And what's really great about this is that you get to choose a target every single turn. So it's essentially like an equipment that you don't need to pay any cost for. I really, really, really like this card. If you're doing a Voltron deck and you just need to deliver some damage to your opponent, this should be one of the first things that you go to. Power Matrix is able to just dish out so many keywords onto your onto your one-target creature and get them the ability to really push through the damage that you need. Something that a lot of decks woefully lack out on is evasion in their Voltron decks. Is what I've noticed is that people rely on whatever the, the hammer is. I forget now. Le- um, Leonin Warhammer? No, sorry, Loxodon Warhammer. Loxodon Warhammer. Leonins use swords, (laughs) Loxodons use hammers. Got it. 
I'm sorry. I, I was unaware of the natural nature of the world, and I should really pay more attention to these things. It makes perfect sense when you think about <laughs> it. Cats have claws. Elephants have big, stompy feet. That is true. That does make sense. But yeah, so most people rely on Luxon Warhammer or uh, Behemoth Sledge if you're playing in... Green White. Green White. But Power Matrix allows you to get damage in with anything. And you don't really need to invest anything other than just putting it into play. One of your creatures is going to connect. And one of the best ways that I've seen this used is in a black-blue Demir deck where... uh, What's the guy's name where he exiles cards off the top of your deck? Equals the damage that he does. Sazdek, Lord of Secrets. Yes, Sazdek. Um, the first time I saw this card played with great efficiency was in a, a Zaz, you know what I mean. Yes, it was guy. in that deck because it allowed him to consistently deliver damage to somebody every single turn, which uh, enabled the rest of his deck to work. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I like that it's not target creature you control. Yes, it allows you to play some politics around the board as well. Yeah, it's like, if you don't need it, if you're just putting this in a value attacking deck, it's good too. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. need to be in the Voltron deck. You can put it into your group hug deck where, you know, you see that somebody needs to help getting getting their commander through. Maybe they have a commander who needs to connect to get some, get some value, and you're like, you know what? Let me help you, because I'm a nice person, and definitely not going to kill you in five turns. But... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tiro and Kalidas hop on the Power Matrix train and <laughs> duo, du- duo, like, elbow drop you from the top rope. Yes. Oh, my God. I <laughs> I might need to add this to my uh, Kineos and Tiro deck just because it's funny. Yeah. I got the name wrong, didn't I? Uh, I'm the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just, That's what it's I'm here my, for. It's my thing. Yeah, I'm right. just bad with names. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. So Power Matrix is absolutely excellent, and it's in a criminally low 278 decks. With, I, and that actually, like, I say that I'm kind of appalled by things a lot, but this one, like, it's it just doesn't make any sense. This card should be really popular particularly amongst the the Johnny crowd, right? Is that the one? Timmy? Which was uh, the big things? Timmy's Timmy. the big things. Timmy likes big things. Yes. And splashy plays. And the experience of crushing mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, giant mm-hmm. dragons. Yeah. So this is a this is like the Timmiest of all Timmy cards. It turns anything else into a Timmy card. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's slapping it makes it bigger and it slaps three keywords onto it. Any Timmy would be proud to have this in their deck. And the fact that only that less than 300 people are including it uh, uh, through EDH Rec, which is where we get all of our stats, once again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned that this episode. EDHREC.com, excellent place to get statistics. Well, like I don't care. We'll mix it up once in a while. Sometimes we'll put it at the beginning. Sometimes we'll wait till the end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I really like Power Matrix. You bring up a good point that there's a lot of room to work with it in regards to playing the table. Another card that allows you to play the table just a little bit is Midnight Charm. Oh, good old Midnight Charm. So, in 45 decks, we actually leave the Mirage block uh, and go to Planar Chaos for this instant common for one black. 
You choose one. Midnight Charm deals one damage to target creature, and you gain one life. Target creature gains first strike until the end of turn, or tap target creature. Now, fully admit, the uh, deals one damage to target creature, and you gain one life is literally... You'll probably never use this. Maybe sometimes you need to kill a Birds of Paradise. Maybe sometimes something needs to die that has one toughness. Cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you on this. Because I have used Midnight Charm to win the game. <laughs> I've, I've seen people win with Sign and Blood, too. I, I'm not saying it doesn't <laughs> happen, but again, it's the, the namesake of our cast is Corner Case. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. It does happen. It can happen. It will happen a small, tiny percentage of the time. Yep. However, focusing on the other two with target creature getting first strike until the end of the turn, it's a combat trick. You don't see a lot of combat tricks in EDH because they're inefficient. They're not going to get you card advantage very often, but in this case here, where it's got that flexibility, it's not so hard to, to make, room for, make room for it. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. There's a lot of flexibility here that is going to get overlooked. It, it This whole... This whole series of cards, just because they don't scream power, the charms that you've brought up today, that doesn't mean that they're not really good for this format. And I think that that's something that eventually our listen listener will uh, appreciate. <laughs> right. My my two key things when I'm building a deck are redundancy and flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I want to have multiple effects of things whenever possible, and I want to have the most uh, leeway to move in the directions I want to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tap target creature aspect of the Midnight Charm is really cool because simply Royal Assassin, above all things, is needs tapped creatures. But even if you're not running Royal Assassin, which taps to destroy target tapped creature, you can use it to offset those Voltron decks who haven't properly secured their their commander against uh, instants and sorceries by you know giving it shroud or hexproof by keeping them out of combat for a turn before you land the killing blow. It's and this it's an effect that you just generally do not see in black all that often. Right. It's very. I mean, again, it's, it's very not, blue and white. You know, it's it's not something that you see in black ever really. It's Planar Chaos, and you get a lot of cool things from Planar Chaos this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, first Strike, you don't see out on, in black really outside of Knights. Mm-hmm. You know, the dark antithesis of the White Knights and everything. Necrotal. That's First Strike. Oh, good, good old Necrotal. That's just... Yeah, but I think First Strike is like... It's tertiary with black, and they never get double strike. No. I think that's how it works. Right, sounds like, about right. White and red get first strike and double strike, and they're primary on those two. And then black gets first strike sometimes, but right. not like those. So it's another really, it's like a neat little suite of abilities to hold on to in your hand. And when it when it comes down to deck building, sometimes it's worth it to pull a basic land and put something toolboxy like this in because it's not going to have a major effect on the way that your mana curve is going to go and this might win you the game sometime yeah and i like holding on the charms especially these ones which i focused on the monocolored charms uh, instead of going to some of the other really great ones like esper charm or bant charm boros charm yeah yeah. Uh, so also really great charms. I look into them on your own. It's your uh corner case homework. Look at charms, see what they can bring into your deck if you're not running any. But specifically the monocolored ones here, 
that low investment of one mana. How easy to keep up one mana? <laughs> yeah, especially in Commander, when you're running, on average, six rocks at least, mm-hmm. plus some other ramp, and uh, once again, you're in black, which, other than green, is the best at making mana. So, yeah, I-, I think this is really, really great. I'm biased towards black. I think it's the best color, uh, other than blue, but, you know, blue's just pushed. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're the color of magic... You're allowed to do broken things, like break all of the rules of magic. Fine, fine, fine. Talking about breaking the rules of magic, um, let's take a gander at my final card here. And this one is one of my favorite cards of all time, just because I'm really, really... I'm really, really big into vengeance and taking advantage of other people's hubris. And I don't think there's a better way to do this than buy this next card, which is in... 83 decks. Once again, it's from Mirage. <laughs> Mirage had a lot of good cards. <laughs> it did have a lot of good cards. It's a rare, and it's an instant. It's called Reflect Damage. It costs three colorless, a red and a white. And it states, the next time a source of your choice would deal damage this turn, that damage is dealt to that source's controller instead. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so the first thing that you're going to do is look at this and be like, well, so my opponent attacks me with a big old creature. I cast Reflect Damage, and he takes the 15 damage instead of me, right? Not a terrible life swing. Not terrible if there life was, swing. If there was a uh, red and white spell for five that said deal 15 damage to an opponent, I'm guessing there's a lot of Timmy players out there in... Commander that would play that card. Oh, definitely. I would. I'd run in a heartbeat. And yep. then it also runs spell doublers like Reverberate. But that's me. Yeah. <laughs> what is What makes this card unique, as far as I can tell, is that it redirects all of the damage that the source does to the controller. So if your opponent plays something like, oh, I don't know, Pyroclasm or Earthquake, or Hurricane, or anything that deals a massive amount of damage to the whole board, they're just dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So if there's 15 creatures on the board, which is a pretty, pretty complicated board, but not something uncommon to see, and they cast Anger of the Gods, which deals, what, three to all creatures? They're going to take 45 points of damage from this one spell. Yep, that sounds pretty good, actually. So, the fact that this uh, is only in 83 decks is it's sad, really. Because this seems like it's such a blowout card. It's like the most magic bullet of all magic bullets. Like, somebody is like, they're already down, they feel like they need to clear the board off with their red... Well, and they're also playing red. <laughs> so they, they only can clear the board off by doing damage to everything. And then you reflect that damage back into their face. That That's just cruel. That is. My, it is one of the cards that makes me really upset that Orem Samite Healer is not red-white. <laughs> and because I'm one of the, like, seven people in the world who want to build an Orem Samite Healer EDH deck. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I was looking in my Tana and Akiri uh, deck. I think there's like three other people who have the same idea as me. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> so with Reflect Damage, I'm not familiar with any other spells that have done this specific effect the way that it's stated here. Um, and if any of our viewers know of anything else, feel free to contact us and let us know about anything. But Well, I mean, you get Mirror Strike, which reflects the damage dealt by one creature, which yeah. is pretty cool uh, for things like Blightsteel Colossus or a Commander. Yeah, but it's not the blowout this thing is. Right, and so, I mean, there's specifically, what we're looking for is there's specifically Voltron-style defense cards. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the other reflecting damage cards tend to scale, like you have to pump mana into them. There's a, yeah. there's an X1 uh, for X and a white from Avacyn Restored. I cannot remember the name of the card right now. I'm desperately trying to look it up, but I cannot find it. And it re- does the same thing, but you have to be able to pump the mana into it. Which is silly, because this thing exists, and it costs yeah. five. Which, you're playing Boros... So unless you're also in another color, you probably don't have that much mana. <laughs> right. But if you can land this thing, I, I think it's just a total blowout. Um, I originally included this in my Queen Marchesa deck because there was only like four ways for that deck to actually win the game. One of them was beating people upside the face with Queen Marchesa, and the other two were Delirium, Another card that does essentially the same thing is Delirium and Reflect Damage. And I've won probably three or four dozen games with that deck, and I've probably played 50. So, yeah. Oh, okay, there it is. I found it. The card I was thinking of is called Divine Deflection. Mm-hmm. And the important part about this is not only is it the Euclid Prevent the X, but the Divine Deflection deals the damage. Yes, instead of the source itself. Instead of the source itself, so. which... It won't save you from uh, infect damage, or it won't kill your opponent with it. You're not gonna, you know, divine deflection for 14. What is a place of classes? 12? 12. 11. 11, 11? 11. Yeah, you're not gonna uh, divine reflection for 12 and kill somebody with their own blightsteel classes. You're just gonna deal 11 damage to them <laughs> and look silly. Yeah, that's this. It's it's not repeatable. That card yeah. just is not very. It's not very good for the format. Whereas something like Reflect Damage, there's it's it's very similar to the way that your charms that you've presented to us this week work, in that it's going to have a lot of applications for you. It, if somebody's swinging at you for ten commander damage and it's going to put you to twenty one, you can swing it back at them and they take that eleven damage. Right. Um, it's even better if they have a twenty one twenty one commander and they attack you and then you play Reflect Damage and they just kill themselves. But, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Always the best. Yes. If they can get a 21-21 commander and you can still target it with reflect damage and something, there somebody along the way has made a problem, has made a mistake. There are ways. Uh, there's that land, Lighthouse. That's true. That's true. I put, that, I put that in every deck. Right. I do. The... That one and... Uh, the one where you gain control of all permits that you own. Uh, that was uh, Homeward Path. Homeward Path. Mm-hmm. Arcane Lighthouse is what I was looking at. Yeah, Arcane Lighthouse. I put that in every deck, too. But that's just me Par- being neurotic about things. A little paranoid? 
little tie it up, able to target things, and people playing with your own cards. Ugh, drives me crazy. <laughs> I, I've never done that. Never. Ever. Oh my God. <laughs> so I think the next thing that I'm going to build uh, is going to be Sakashima. Yeah. Uh, the impersonator from the Kawagama block, and then just put nothing but clones in it. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, definitely a lot of cool blue clones. Mono blue clones. Mono blue, I'm playing your deck. Yep. I got the... You, you traded me a duplicate the last time that I saw you. That'll go right in there. There's yep. all sorts of neat stuff that I can do. But, anyways, those are our six cards for the week. Hopefully you enjoyed them. I hope Hopefully so. these numbers will escalate and go up. Do you have any closing thoughts for us this week, Mr. Lee? Hmm, that's a very good question. I don't really have any closing thoughts, but I do have a request for our listeners, all however many of you there are in the world. Please, uh, contact us, ask us questions. Uh, we want to help you find the jankiest things that'll make you beam with pride. Where can they find you on the internet, Russell? You can find me, uh, easiest on Twitter at Rogue Artificer. Rogue as in rogue and artificer as in artificer. No fancy spellings. You can find both those words on the card Whirler Rogue. You can do that. And you can find me on Twitter at Joe Oso. That's J-O-H-O-S-O. I am on there all the time yelling about things and you can follow along if you'd like or not. I don't really mind. Whatever you're into. And <laughs> uh, both of our Twitters are very you know, our personal Twitter, so they are very broad and very eclectic. If you look for more, uh, to contact us in a more magic podcast centric focus, uh, you can always get through us through the show pod, uh, the show Twitter at, uh, cornercasecast on Twitter as well, or email us at cornercasecast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. That concludes episode three. I'm Joe and I'm here with my co-host Russell. Right. And We wish you a wonderful day and hope that you come back to us again. All right. We'll see you next time when we go into another six cards full of wonderous, like, Wonka-esque glamour and schnozberries. I think Gene Wilder just rolled over in his grave. You know what? Only to get a better listen to our show. (laughs) (laughs) Probably true. Good night, everybody. Good night.